Thanks to everyone who's uh, subscribed to that. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book and the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media. Thanks to everyone who subscribes to us. Still potable. The best Monday through Friday Boston Celtics podcast. You can find all of our work on patreon.com slash still potable. We are ringing in the new year. And what we like to do here on the free episode is a little thing called the potable six pack, but Jay King being a content genius himself, normally the six pack is a uh, uh, looking back, uh, recounting the six best things that just happened, but no, we are prognosticating forward. We are looking forward today, gentlemen, because Jay King had the bright idea. Let's draft the six most important things for the Boston Celtics in 2024. And he's kind of scrambled my brains there. I wasn't really prepared for this. Um, but we're going to do it. To be fair, I wasn't prepared for this either. I came up with that idea like when I hopped on this stream. So this will be three gentlemen drafting with no preparation, but our life is preparation for this. Our whole life is preparation. We live our lives around the Celtics. So I'm going to draft some amazing things. I think that's fair. Um, I have won the potable six pack the past seven times. And so uh, I get to decide the draft order. How hungover are you today, Packard? Uh, I, I, you can tell already. It's kind of a struggle for me to speak <laughs> in four sentences. Um, so I would say mildly um, because of that. I'm going Did to you do allow anything me- fun for New Year's. I went out to a New Year's Eve party, got dressed up in a suit, was looking good. Uh, you know, you dressed up in a suit. Yeah, it was a fancy New Year's Eve party. I've I've never understood people who get dressed up to. Well, party. Jay, you wear sweatpants at all occasions. That is your party. I I'm, just shocked you, like, I'm shocked you. I'm shocked you wore Why would Why would you and your friends want to dress up? Why Why do you want to wear a suit? Why Why do people want to wear uncomfortable stuff when you could just wear sweatpants? It wasn't my idea, but I the people throwing the party were like, wear a suit. And I said, I'll wear a suit. And so I wore a suit. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes it, it feels good to wear a suit and look good, Jay. It's something I know you probably wouldn't have a lot of experience with. but <laughs> <laughs> Looking good or wearing a suit. Yeah, yeah. neither one of those is uh, it was my strong suit. Ooh, well done there. Well played. <laughs> All right. The order is. B Rob, you'll go first, then Jay, then I will go, and then we'll bring that back around for the second round of the potable six pack. So again, just to remind everyone, patreon.com slash still potable. Go subscribe today. Uh, and then we're drafting moving forward the six most important things for the Celtics in the year 2024. So if you really want to like take this into the start of next season, you can. Other than that, there are no rules. B Rob, you're up. Ooh, a lot of pressure here from the number one pick. This might be a little obvious, but I still have to go with it just based on how he's looked lately. Just Porzingis' health. This is right now, like, the Celtics turning from what were a, what was a really good team last year to a potentially un, you know dominant, maybe unstoppable on both ends of the floor type team this season that we've seen through 30-plus games here. And Porzingis has been front and center for all that. And particularly on the offensive end, Jay and I got into it a little bit last night. We're just talking about his post-up situation, how efficient he's been on that front. And so right now, like 
he is the answer they've had in the playoffs with on paper um, that they have in the last couple of seasons of where he can just punish the switching, any type of mismatch he gets, no matter what type of shot he's taking, no matter, you know, with pretty much anywhere within 15 feet of the hoop. So um, if his legs, arms, whatever feet, any part of his body, he's had an assortment of injuries throughout his career. Uh, they've managed him quite well this year, but if they can get him to the finish line right now in one piece um, by controlling his minutes, by strategically giving him nights off, by just giving him straight up rest, probably at points of the year, if they, you know, build up enough of a, a lead for the top seed in the Eastern conference, that that's going to take a long time for that to happen. I think based on how well the bucks are playing, but um, Porzingis, his health is number one on the list for me. This could be just some recency bias, but it feels like the Celtics are learning more and more like just how great he is in the post and trusting him in the post more and more. Like he doesn't need a bad defender on him. It's just anybody who's not a huge center is just a total mismatch for him. He has no problem scoring over the top of just about any other type of player. And he's actually not great at posting up centers or they normally don't even try using him to post up centers but anyone else is just like he gets the ball he faces up and he just shoots over the top or he gets the ball he posts up spins into you draws contact creates a foul still can make it with contact he's been utterly ridiculous in the post this year and it's a totally new element for a team that last year had two non-scorers at, at that spot in Al Horford and Robert Williams. So I think that's a huge, huge piece for them in the playoffs. And yeah, like keeping him on the court is as important as just about anything else. What do you guys think is the best player just to like, if you're going to guard pick anyone to guard him right now in the league, like who's the best matchup guard? Cause it's like, like you said, Jay, he doesn't post up centers, but then it's like, he, then he goes, takes threes. So if like if you have the bulk to protect him down low, then he can just pull you out to beyond the arc and then you know shoot him you off the floor. So like I, it's it's tough to find anyone who can just handle a skill set like from on both ends. Was yeah, and guy, then was it the guy they played yesterday? Is it Wemby? Is he the person? I mean, in theory, to guard anyone. Well, not last night though. I uh, I would say like, it, and the thing that makes it even tougher is. You also have to deal with Jason Tatum and Derek White and right. Drew Holiday and Jalen Brown. So it's like if it were just Porzingis you were worried about, you could try some different coverages. But because of everything else you have to deal with, like a lot of the time Porzingis is left open at the arc. Or a lot of the time they have to switch to try to take away Tatum. And then it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> Porzingis has a, a wing on him, dog food, you know, and – uh, who would be, I feel like a big power forward, like a big mobile power, like Draymond. Yeah. Is Draymond big enough? Probably. Um, but yeah, th- that would be like the, the toughest matchup for me, probably something like that. Maybe Bam. Yeah. That was, Bam is the other guy who came to my mind. Um, but and yeah, Bam like- kind of killed him when they played earlier in the season. And Porzingis still had a great game offensively, but defensively he had some troubles with Bam. Yeah, those are like finding guys like that who can punish him, not play Porzingis off the floor, but make you like make his life hard on that. And I think like like Bam, you said, like I think that is going to be the key as far as once we get into the playoffs for opponents trying to you know weaken up the Celtics in some area because you know right now no one's really going at Porzingis and taking advantage of him on the defensive end, and then it, he turns the tables on the other end of the floor. Indeed. All right. Before Jay's second pick, we're going to hear from our friends at FanDuel. All right, let's take a break here to hear from our sponsor, FanDuel. Score early this NFL season of FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about fan, joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. You can do spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Massachusetts 21 and present. 
Hope it's here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Still Potable. Subscribe today at patreon.com slash stillpotable. We are on pick two of the potable six-pack of the six most important things for the Celtics in 2024. The kid is up. Jay King, what's your pick? Late game poise. Stay composed. Stay together. Avoid ISO bullshit. And that's, I mean... At the end of the day, what's killed the Celtics the past two two seasons deep in the playoffs is they haven't been able to solve great defenses. And they haven't been able to solve great defenses in fourth quarters, second halves, and they've had droughts against first the Warriors in the finals and then last year the Heat in the Eastern Conference finals. So just keep your cool. This team, I think they're a smarter team. Now I think Jalen Brown has developed. I think... Adding Drew Holiday is a significant piece. I think Derek White's emergence and the fact that he's playing all the time in crunch time is really important for the Celtics. I think Porzingis gives them solutions that they didn't have in the past. And so I don't think it's fair to to put the failures of the past onto this current group. But at the same time, they have to prove that against the best of the best, they can avoid the stagnation and avoid the isolation and keep playing together. The The Achilles heel of this team has been like in big moments, sometimes they just players just go their own ways. And I don't think it's a selfish thing. I think it's more like a just trying to win thing. And, but like at some point you've got to graduate beyond that and play together all the time and, and continue to figure out solutions in crunch time. And I think, you know, if they can do that, then they probably have more ways to beat you than any other team in the league. But but it still comes down to at the end of the day, can you out execute somebody? And they haven't been able to do that against the best executing teams the past couple of seasons. They've gotten a lot better at it, I would say, this year. They haven't like I know the crunch time stats or the clutch stats are not always the most accurate. I'm like, do either of you guys know what, how they're, what the rating is in those situations? Cause it feels like they haven't had a lot of those games, but when they did like have been in them, um, they've had a lot of overtime losses, which is not, you know, the best, but they, you know, only six losses this entire season. So uh, not a lot to draw on there, but uh, just thinking recently, there haven't been that many close games, I guess, uh, but what was it Friday night against the Raptors? We saw Derek white come and perform extremely well in the clutch. Although that ridiculous three point shot he made, um, I wouldn't say it was the product of the best offense or <laughs> the best process there, uh, but it went in. So that made things better. But um, yeah, I, I think they're, it feels like they're doing better process, but I don't feel like they've had like a lot of opportunities for like late game execution. Yeah. And on the whole, I think if you look at their, crunch time numbers are still good in comparison to the league, but there are still the, you know, the blips that are, that we've seen, whether it was the, the loss to the Hornets uh, or the loss of Wolves. Like I said, there haven't been many losses, but when they have lost, it's usually been like, they've had opportunities to win those games and the process offensively has been questionable at times. Even, even the Warriors game, the Warriors lost like Tatum's, you know, pull up isolation three at the end of that game. So yeah, when they clearly have, I think, the most important thing with that front is being like, you have more weapons now to utilize. And I think a lot of it's going to be on Jason Tatum and um, Jalen Brown to be like, recognize, Hey, I don't have to go one-on-one here. Like moving the ball in this situation, calling someone over for a screen, getting something going to the hoop and then moving the ball around. So someone gets an open look because we have four or five good options to take those shots now at crunch time. Whereas in past years, that may not have been always been the case with the personnel on the floor. So, um, but I'm with Jalen. This is a, this is a monster storyline and something to look at in the second half of this regular season as well to see how much growth they show in this area. And I, I agree with you. Like part of it is on Tatum and Brown, because I don't think 
those guys every night will be the answers. Sure. Like like the the Pistons game, and obviously <laughs> the Pistons should not be like how we're evaluating how they're going to play against the best teams. But that game, it was very clear, like, Kristaps Porzingis is the way to go. Like, run the offense through Porzingis, get him in the post, just let him cook. And it, it takes a it takes a lot for a guy like Tatum, who normally has the ball in his hands, to, to just realize, like, tonight's not going to be my night because someone else has a better chance of scoring. And that's the type of unselfishness this team needs to have. It's probably going to be harder in the playoffs, I would say, because like that, that that's when legends are made. That's when everyone's watching. And to to willingly submit to being a decoy so that Porzingis can go to work or Derek White can go to work or whoever has the right matchup can go to work. Like that that takes real unselfishness and I, I think this team has that I think this team has been very good at that so far but but it's one thing to do it in December and it's another thing to do it when you're down 2-1 in a playoff series and and you need to trust that that what Joe Missoula is calling is right and that somebody else can deliver for you so I'm going to steal, not steal, but I'm going to take Jay King's pick and make it better. Uh, because instead of just focusing on... What is Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Instead of just focusing on the final moments of the game, my pick, and for like, I think what's the most important thing for the Celtics in 2024, is just like fully adopting the Brad Stevens, Joe Missoula growth mindset and become alpha Kaizen warriors where they're getting better every single day. And it doesn't just need to happen in the final four minutes of a game. It happened needs to happen for the entire process for the entire uh, rest of the regular season. Um, and I feel like this is Joe Missoula year two. We've done a lot of talking about um, him, like finally being able to be more comfortable and kind of um, implementing his system and the, the team being much more focused on just like the process of getting better this year, whereas opposed to last year, it's just like all about getting back to the finals. And I think they just need to be able to lock in uh, and focus on that process of getting better for the rest of this regular season, because we saw them have an amazing start to the season last year and maybe get a little bit complacent in the months of January and February. And maybe that's where the bad habits kind of leaked into uh, the team last year. But I think if they can, focus on still getting better and still kind of developing those good habits and like engaging in the process of becoming a better team uh, in the months of January, February, and March, when they get to April, when they get to the playoffs, they'll be in a better uh, position. So I think it's just kind of uh, the, the mental approach this team has um, especially over these next three months will be super important just in terms of how successful they will be in the playoffs. Cause they've already demonstrated they are the best team in basketball right now. Uh, can't they maintain focus and not let complacency creep in um, and still maintain that dominance? I think it's like what we see championship teams do is that they, they're they kind of dominant throughout the entire year. Um, and so whether or not they can build on that um, and continue focusing on the process, not just the result, I think will go huge in determining whether or not they ultimately get Banner 18. Yeah, it's like if can they show – I think shades of the 07, 08 Celtics, or even the first couple of years there before KG got hurt. Like that was a team that was on a mission that didn't mess around, that kicked the crap out of teams, you know, on a weekly basis. And that lasted all the way to the finish line um, where they ran away of it. Um, it's as far as the, the number one seed. And this team's going to have a lot more competition on that front. Like they're, they're going to have teams on their heels. So the, the motivation will be there to win. But like you said, I think the, the process is key here because last year's team did plateau or honestly take a step back for much of the second half of the year. Um, and this team is better and they should be able to learn from that process and be like, okay, we're winning, but how are we winning? And like, what, like, are we going through the right process here? Are we winning in different ways every night? Are we varying in things? So if we don't have a good shooting night or if we're don't have it defensively this night, we can find other ways to figure it out. And last year's team didn't have that. And this year's team through 30 games so far, so good. But like you said, it's a, it's a long way to go right now. And sometimes you got to buy into the nonsense, like Joe Missoula saying the Pistons game is going to be the hardest game of the year. <laughs> and like, you just got to talk yourself into that. All right, we'll figure out a way to win after falling down by 20. And, and to me, this team has shown so far 
that it has the right mentality about all that stuff. Like they've only lost two games in a row once. Every other time they they've bounced back. They've like that Pistons game as much as you can laugh at it. That was a good example of like they just did not have it that night. They were terrible and found a way to to steady themselves and get back to being themselves and had enough pride to to not lose that game. And it just feels like this team has a, a nastiness that last year's team never developed. And like they, they hit hard. They play hard. They they want to crush teams. And I, I just feel like like this team has this is the, the best team I've ever covered. And I, I don't think it's even close so far. And there's still time, like you said, for bad habits to creep in. But I think from the, the amount of options they have offensively to the added layer of, of rim protection that they have and size that they have with Porzingis, it's just a, a very complete team. And I think part of that is is adding a, some attitude. Um, and, and, and honestly, like, it should not be a problem for this team to focus over the next 52 games. It should not be because they've won nothing. I guess it's not 52, whatever it is. They've won nothing. They've fallen short every year. Like, you you should not be complacent. You should not be lackadaisical. You should be hell-bent on getting better and better so that you're peaking in the playoffs instead of peaking early in the season like you did last season. They played their best basketball during their start last season. And... And I think there were a lot of reasons for that. I think, you know, they, they never quite learned how to incorporate Robert Williams once he came back. They they had a just a lot of stuff going on last year, but like they they should be focused and they should have plenty of motivation to get better and better the rest of the season. They should. I think the the concern is it's just like human nature at some point checks in and it's like the middle of January and you randomly have to go to Toronto to play a team that is terrible. Um, and like, do you, do they have the focus to lock quickly? So quickly is going to help them. No. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yes, he is. Good quickly debate. Is good. Why do you think quick quickly is good as a six man quickly is, I don't think can sustain be playing 35 minutes a game. He's going to get exposed. Why? Why? Dennis Schroeder was their point guard. You do not think quickly is a major upgrade. I mean, you're right. When you're right, you're right. Uh, and he's much better. World, world champion Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, they should have traded Dennis Schroeder if they really wanted things to take off. That's how things generally work. Once you trade Dennis Schroeder, your team gets a lot they have, better. They have time. But we'll see if anyone wants about $12 million. We'll see. All right. Before my next pick, we're going to hear from the fine folks at Factor. Get started on your resolutions with Factor so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and more. Plus, over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your New Year resolutions. Factor is amazing because you do not have to go to the grocery store. You do not have to do any of that meal planning, something I'm terrible at. They just have the meals ready for you, delivered to you at your door, and you no longer have to just spend so much money on takeout. Factor is cheaper than takeout and much better tasting food. So if you just want that occasional meal or if you want to plan your entire week, you can go to Factor factormeals.com slash winning50 and use code winning50 to get 50% off. That's code winning50 at factormeals.com slash winning50 to get 50% off. It's an absolute steal. That is factormeals.com slash winning50 with promo code winning50 and you get 50% off. And we're back with Still Potable. 
Go to patreon.com slash still potable to subscribe today. The best Monday through Friday Celtics podcast in the world. We are only going to be taking off farther in 2024. All right. My pick for the second round of the potable six pack for the six most important things for the Celtics in the next year. I'm going to go with Jalen Brown playmaking. If he can continue to just make the right read and just be able to have the offense not take this huge dive when Jason Tatum's on the bench. I think it's going to be super important for the Celtics. It's like having Jalen Brown. He doesn't need to be, I don't think even as good as he's been so far, but he just needs to be like a competent playmaker uh, and the ball could be in his hands and you kind of trust him to make the right decision. I don't think he's like going to be, the the even the second option i think Derek white's like you're kind of you put the ball in Derek white's hands um generally if it's not in jason tatum's hands uh but i think just jalen brown development as a playmaker uh just makes this team that much more dynamic he's going to be i think your second best score um if he's just a, a positive on the playmaking end not turning the ball over and making the right reads i think there's just it becomes that much more impossible to stop this boston celtics offense yeah, and he can put so, he can ahead, put so much pressure on the rim that teams have to collapse when he's driving, and if he's making the right decisions, it really can open up things for them. And I th- think in the the San Antonio game, like you could tell, he just wanted to get out on the break, and he's always been good on the break but probably not as good as he could be because sometimes he'd put his shoulder down and put his head down and just do something stupid and that's happening less and less he was he was going out and trying to run in transition and then getting into the paint making the right read the ball was moving on the other side of the court and that really opens things up when when he can attack early and get the ball movement and get get other guys operating against closeouts like that that really opens up the offense for everybody. So yeah, I, I'm with you. Jalen's Jalen's development has been kind of eye opening this year, and it's funny because a lot of his stats are down. Like if you, if you look at it, probably if you weren't paying close attention every night, you'd be like, "What are these idiots talking about?" Jalen Brown playing better than he did last year. It's like no, like pretty clearly he's playing better basketball than he did a season ago, and it's because of the defense. He's locked in more focused every possession and it's because he's using his ability to drive and to score to set set up other people and, and really doing a much better job of that so this is the continuation of this how high can he take it i don't know but it's really important for the celtics that it, that he does that yeah looking at his just month of december for instance it's hard to think of just months in their careers and a snapshot where you're like Jalen Brown was a better player, all-around player than Jason Tatum this month. But I think unequivocally, I'd say like that was the case in December. Like Brown was phenomenal um, across the board on both ends of the floor, I feel like. And for him to take that type of a leap, knowing that he can already be an all-star, but now it's like, no, I can be the all-star and also be the best player on a team like night in and night out when I also have another all-star next to me. Like that is a, a huge leap for this team. It's why the front office, you know, bit the bullet and gave him that supermax because they saw that potential in him. And going forward, it is he's like, if he can just build on what he's done here in the last five, six weeks, it's um, you know, this guy's looking for him. And going off of what you said, Jay, getting one of guys like, what is the ideal for him? You know, he wants to get out and run. Like, what's the ideal lineup around Jalen Brown with this team for to get out and run? Like, cause they have, there's a lot of offensive talent in this team, but like some of the guys like, like they, they're, they're bottom five in the league and pace still right now. So they generally play slower than the league, but clearly Jalen in transition is a monster. So it's like, like workshopping that, like what is the best group around him for him to be able to do that? It's funny sometimes. Cause he's almost like the only one running sometimes. Right. Tatum is not a runner. Tatum yeah, is Tatum not, is not a running guy. Pace guy yeah tatum plays slow drew plays slow sometimes like marcus smart he used to get out in transition he used to hit jalen with like the backdoor bounce passes a lot 
Um, but Porzingis too, like he's not going to be beating you in transition too much. Although if you do play fast, he can be a trailer and, and operate that way, or he can get out and take advantage of a cross match in transition and get an early post up. But yeah, sometimes it's just like, like Jalen doing his own thing while everyone else operates at a different pace and it can create a, a weird dynamic, but I think it also works. And, and like, realistically, once the playoffs come, you play slower anyway. You're not going to be living in the fast break very often. And and it's good to have guys who can operate slower. But, like, it it, it will also help this team to get easy buckets. And I think, you know, where, where this team has gotten in trouble a lot in the past is they, they slow it down. They don't have an, as much time on the shot clock. And that's when they kind of their offense can can kind of deteriorate. And Jalen wants to get rid of that. His his push, his push to push the pace has been a, a consistent theme all season. He brought it up again after the San Antonio game. Like he just wants to keep playing faster. I do feel like they're playing faster, though. They're they're putting an effort into kind of meeting Jalen halfway on this one at least. And I do think he's gotten even like better just in the half court in just terms of making decisions and playmaking in that regard. Um, like all, I feel like all they really need him to do in the playoffs is just like have that little two man game with Chris Tapps Porzingis. Cause having Jason Tatum in like either the, the short corner or the opposite corner, when those two guys are doing something, how are you going to defend that? Like if Jason or Jalen Brown's coming like around off that screen and getting downhill and you have to basically commit three defenders at that point. And then you have Derek White and Jason Tatum as just the guys in the corners, like spacing that. It feels like a pretty impossible offense to uh, stop. And I feel like uh, Chris Stapps and Jalen have developed that nice little kind of two man game. And if Jalen just continues to make the right read in terms of either attacking the rim or um, spraying to the corner or getting that pass back to Porzingis, it should like that should be a pretty easy bread and butter play for the Celtics. Um, if they are in the half court or in crunch time. And so as long as Jalen continues to kind of improve and, and do what he needs to do, I think it's, uh, it's going to be great for them. You guys didn't hey, answer my question though. There's no one on the uh, Celtics. Give me some answers. What, Pritchard? Pritchard, Derek Hauser, White. Derek White, and Al Horford. All right. Basically the that. second unit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the second unit. Pretty much him out of the second unit. Like, Jalen is the second unit. Oh, let's throw O'Shea Brissett in there. Yeah, O'Shea Brissett. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Run. O'Shea Brissett at the big <laughs> instead of Al. Even though Al can get out. Al, Al does like to run when, like, he's got reason to do it. And Al, Al, Al is throwing outlet passes lately. Yeah. This is probably the best outlet pass season Al's had, at least with the Celtics. He's really looking to push that thing. Maybe. And he also loves to push it when it goes out of bounds. That, that might be my favorite Al Horford, just just demanding the ball from the referee so that he can inbound it and head the other way. All right, so that's settled then. So they, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Brissett in for Hauser, and so like White, Pritchard, that's Brissett, a Al. That's a mistake. Is that a mistake? You think Hauser like is a? I guess he does yeah. get out quick. Yeah, he gets out. Early, I just don't think he's fast. Shot though. clock threes. It doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be yeah. fast to, to and run. And he's not going all the way to the rim. He just has to get to the three-point line. That's true. You got to go back and forth. Okay. All right. I'm back in. <laughs> all right. Jay, you're up with your second pick. This is the whole year, right? So not just this season? Yeah, there's no rules. Jason Tatum extension. Oh, good one. I mean, it seems like it'll probably happen <laughs> because <laughs> guys don't really turn down the supermax, but you got to get it, get it done. And this Celtics lineup, this Celtics team is going to grow so expensive. Like once Jalen's extension kicks in next season, once Tatum's extension kicks in the following season, assuming he does sign one, they are going to be like either paying so much money in taxes or face forced to make tough decisions regarding the roster around those guys. But it's so important to keep Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown together long-term. We've seen it year after year. They've been super competitive with all types of different rosters around those guys. The one year they weren't very good with those guys was when they were playing Romeo Langford, Jabari Parker, and a bunch of other random guys. Chevy Ojale. <laughs> Minutes, yeah. And 
so basically like having Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, especially the way they're developing, especially the way thing, things are heading, especially with the supporting cast around them, you basically guarantee yourself a great basketball team. And, and I think, you know, Tatum, I suspect he'll sign an extension. I suspect he'll be in Boston for a long time. Um, everything seems good right now with the tra- trajectory of those guys, the respect they have for Joe Missoula, the respect they have for the organization. And, but getting him to sign on, on that line is, is very, very important for this team. Given how this year has started, or just in general, like I'm trying to, like you said, no one's ever done. Like, like what type of disastrous scenario would have to unfold where that would like, where Tatum would hesitate to do that. He would have like, to get in a fist fight with Jalen Brown. Right, like pretty much. On the court during a game. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the only situation I can see, like a very public feud. It's and the only situation where I can right. see Jason Tatum turning down, what, is it going to be $400 million contract? Pretty close. But like and, 340, I think. Yeah. Something like and, that. And that speaks to just how well, A, this team, A, this season is going, and B, just how well they've handled like the situation with Tatum, where it's like, you know, he's spoken publicly plenty in terms of how much he loves Boston. There's just, there's just, it's like, it's not a, it's, it's very important for the team, but it hasn't been like a big storyline because of the assumption. But that doesn't mean, it doesn't matter. Like Jay said, this is, it, this, it's pivotal for this team's future for now and forever, like for the next decade for him to be here. And especially this window in the next couple of years, because honestly, for as good as they look together, if, if Tatum and Brown don't, win together the next couple years it's gonna it's honestly for them to stay together i think they're gonna have to win um as far as just the the cost goes and the finances um, of it the finances of exactly how does the Derek white extension fit into like their long-term yeah kind of planning it's a real good question again he's got two years left so i mean one year left after this year so that two-year window he's a big part of that too because um that price of that contract is only going up um, with the way this year is going. Seems like there's a lot of pressure on the Celtics to win this year. I would say, like, because with the second, like, I don't know how willing they're going to be to be. I guess the second neighborhood team. We, no one really knows. How if you're this good, you should be willing to pay whatever yeah. price. And if you're not, you should not own an NBA team. That's it. I and that. the second they fall off the second they don't look as good if they fail in the playoffs again then you know maybe you reconfigure things but if you're this good then you try to keep this team together and make it work and if you win a championship like just pay whatever it costs to to me that that's that's how it should go i don't know if that's how it will go ownership has been committed to paying the luxury tax but but it's one thing to pay the luxury tax, and it's another to pay like the Warriors' luxury tax bill, which is sort of where they would be headed if they keep everybody together for the long term. So it'll be interesting, especially with the the second apron and all the new, you know, ramifications of having a team over that line and the roster building difficulties that that come with that. So. There's definitely pressure to win now, um, but I think kind of every team that's in a a similar situation now will be facing similar pressure just because of the realities of of the new NBA landscape. Yeah, the, the roster dynamic of that, to your point, Jay, like it's not just the money now. It's like, can you build a functional team? with the restrictions that are placed on you and you might be able to get away with that for a year or two, but that's going to eventually limit your options. And so that's why I think we saw the Celtics along as a lot of other teams this past offseason try to push their chips to the middle. And because that urgency is just as high for this number of teams around the league right now as it is for Boston. So it's going to be fun. And, and, and one of the, one of the strengths that people don't really talk about a lot with this team is like everybody is in their prime. Like, like Jalen Brown is as athletic as we've ever seen him, but the brain is also coming together for him. Jason Tatum, same thing. He's, he's been in the league a long time. He's learned so much. He's willing to sacrifice some of his individual stuff in a way that I don't think he would have been earlier in his career. Kristaps Porzingis, 
like we probably saw the best season of his career last season in Washington. He's doing the same stuff this year in Boston. Drew Holiday is older, but he's still super capable physically. Al Horford is the only one who's really past his prime. Derek White, like clearly just entering his prime. Like these guys are all at the right age and and that doesn't last forever. And in the NBA, thing, things can kind of change quickly. But but right now, like these guys are in their prime. This has really been just a totally dominant team lately. The, I kind of uh, still think Horford's in his prime. Just like a 15-year prime. Just, just never prime ending. never ends. It's prime. Um, it is crazy, though, how how well he can defend and how well his game is, has continued to adapt with with his age. He's, he's still super helpful to them even now, which is nuts to me. B-Rock. That's right, my last pick here. There Your last pick, taking us home. The Oof. final pick in the potable six-pack. This is a big one. Uh, I'm going with Joe Mazzula in the postseason. Uh, I think Joe Mazzula has had a really great bounce-back year. Um, he's obviously had a huge challenge last season, and a lot of things didn't go their way for that team in the postseason, and that certainly wasn't all on him, but I think he was a part of the equation on that standpoint. And as he gets more comfortable in year two here, we're seeing, you know, his kind of true colors coming out more and being reflected with the team, which has been great. Um, but I do think in order for this team to win a title and get over the hump, he's going to have to be a big part of that equation in the playoffs. Um, since we, we all seen the question marks, this team, the, the bumps in the road, this team has hit in the past, particularly in crunch time spots. And so I'm looking, you know, things like being ahead of the curve on lineup adjustments, if needed, um, looking at crunch time situations and the whole timeout, no timeout thing, like the whole, the no timeout philosophy, that's fine, but he should feel more enabled and empowered than ever to say, Oh, okay. If you guys aren't doing something, if I'm going to give you no timeout, like I'm cutting you off and then we're going to, we're going to run something then. Um, and honestly, the biggest thing now for the crunch time with him and kind of managing this team and pushing the right buttons I'd want to see this team kind of play through like Derek White more in those spots. I think that's a, again, based on the situation, based on position, but like going to those matchups in those clutch moments and not being afraid to take the ball out of Tatum or Brown's hands on a certain night, if that's clearly not the right answer for that night. And if the players aren't going to do that themselves, then that's on goes to the coach. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's something that can certainly ruffle feathers. uh, But I think he's, built the right relationship with those guys and built the right mentality for this team throughout the year to be able to do it in those big spots. But um, if he's able to do that, I think that would be, you know, potentially the, the final piece of the puzzle for this team to, to get over the hump here. But that's something I'm definitely keeping a close eye on once uh, April, May and June roll around, roll around. It was interesting to hear Missoula talk yesterday about the, some of the offensive changes that they've had this year. And he basically said, like, last year, obviously, they played a lot of randomness, like a lot of free-flowing offense. And he said he's given the players less freedom this year, and and it's just been more structured. And you can see it. Like, they're, they're being super intentional about which matchups they involve, about the two-man game that they use. Um, sometimes they go with White and Porzingis. Sometimes they go with uh, Tatum and Porzingis. Sometimes they they do all sorts of different things, but it's always to get like the right matchup involved and then make the read from there. So I I do think he's changed from his first season. I do think the experience of going through the playoffs should help him. Um, like there were games that were just mismanaged, I thought, at the end of games sometimes last season, including in the playoffs. Um, when Trey Young got it cooking that one game against Atlanta, like they didn't do enough to stop him. James Harden got cooking. They didn't do enough to stop him. Um, you've got to be able to tr- throw out different coverages. You've got to be able to to just mess up the rhythm of a guy. And I, and I think Joe learned some of that. And I think he decided to diversify the offense partly because of what happened in the playoffs. And he saw like sometimes you don't need to just shoot a three or a layup. Like, Sometimes 
it's okay to go in the post and and get something and and it can be like there's less volatility sometimes especially in the fourth quarter when you do that and there's less mood swings on your team but like offensively just because the percentages of three pointers can can kind of swing one way or another so i i think he's evolved but i agree the the bigger tests are what happens you know when when it's a one point game 11 seconds left and and you've got to dial up something or not call a timeout and let someone go are they going to be organized enough have you prepared them to handle that moment well there's a lot that goes into it and uh i do think he's a lot better but you still got to go up against the spolsters you got to go up against maybe nick nurse you got to go up against i guess adrian griffin (laughs) (laughs) edge Mazzola. we heard like at the start of the year a lot about Joe Missoula like throwing curveballs uh, and kind of having something ready for those situations. Um, I think, especially on the defensive end, they have done a like a bit more in just changing up their coverages, uh, especially compared to last season. But I'm curious where you guys think they kind of stand of being able to to throw that curveball out there and change something up so they don't like let some guy just uh, be able to just take over like a Trey Young or like a James Harden. Uh, Jay, like, where do you think their defense is now, just in terms of being able to play a bunch of different coverages so they can adapt uh, to certain matchups in the playoffs? I think part of it is probably just having Porzingis at the rim. Like, that's that's a huge deal. Um, and to have him at the rim while at the other end having five scores, like, that, that starting lineup is just a bear. Um, and then, but they haven't kept like they haven't kept him in drop the whole time. I think they've done a good job of like we're not going to play one uh, like one style of defense so you can just like kind of pick us apart. They've really kind of I think done better of like okay, sometimes we're just going to randomly throw a trap at you um and just make you do a bit more thinking on the court whereas last year like their entire offense was just our defense was just like we're going to switch everything. You're just going to have to deal with it. And I felt like teams could eventually just kind of figure out what they're doing um whereas this year they're throw you different looks where it's and it's been much harder to kind of score consistently against the Celtics. Yeah, the spontaneity has been ramped up a ton this year. Particularly like I feel like last night was a per example of uh you know the Spurs have a two for one situation and then they they'll just randomly throw a double team in there to kind of mess that up to slow a team down and then take that away. Um and doing that sort of stuff in the playoffs will be huge. And I think to your point back the other like managing personnel of like Porzingis, I, I do think there's going to be like, we haven't seen much of the season, but teams are going to go at him and they're going to try to play him off the floor because that they know that could be the key to being the Celtics teams being like, all right, let's attack Porzingis. And that way we can get his offense out there. And then we have a better chance of winning this game. And so if he can, if you finding ways to keep him, not hiding him in the pick row, like the teams are going to like, but being creative in terms of keeping his impact there with the rim protection, seeing if he can hold his own in certain matchups on the perimeter, like finding ways to do that where you're not exhausting him and you're not exposing him. Um, I think is, is exactly what you're talking about, Packer, in terms of like what type of stuff he can do. And I think so far so good on that front as far as this regular season goes. Are there any lineups? We haven't really seen the Celtics go small with Tatum at the five. And I feel like it's something they should explore. I'm just thinking back to the Warriors game where uh, Chris Tapps wasn't playing, but like, we saw it was just Curry going against Horford, which is not something I, as a Celtics fan, I want ever want to see ever again. It just doesn't <laughs> work. And so is there a lineup out there? Because I feel like they have the personnel where they could put a smaller lineup with Tatum at the five. A team like the Warriors is not going to punish you. It's not something we really seen them do a lot of. I feel like pr- it worked much. against the Magic. And Go so was, the Lamar, was that the Lamar even center game? Did he play the Cavs or the Magic in the? That was a magic, yeah. That was a magic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Tatum played some center, too. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, why Why would you play Tatum at center? For that exact scenario where you want to be able to switch everything and not have a weak spot uh, where – But you, are... you could switch everything with more size on the court and have uh, – like, Porzingis has been okay in switches. They, they don't do it a lot. Um, 
But I know, but if we were thinking okay about that exact that. like Trey Young thing, like last year he just would just toasted Al Horford on a lot of switches like that. And so it's like try to take that away by putting a more agile defender on like having it at, at every single position. It's oh no, I'm just yeah. throwing I'm a, I'm a Packard here. Like you want to have that, you don't want to need to use it, but you don't want to throw that out for the first time for big minutes in game five of the Eastern Conference semifinals in that type of matchup. So like experimenting with that just like they did it against the magic game out of the necessity because guys are out. But I agree, like mixing that in here or there just so you know what it looks like in case of emergency. Because, yeah, obviously you don't want to have to play without Porzingis and Al, but there might be a spot where like it makes sense to against Steph Curry or Trey. It probably won't get to that point. I mean, I don't think you're going to see either of those guys in the playoffs this year. Um, maybe maybe Trey in the first round if the Atlanta gets it together. But I think that's just, when you're playing like this, experimenting with that sort of stuff in the regular season, I think that's a, a good idea just to, to have in your back pocket. I concur. I concur. <laughs> uh, anything else from you, Jay? You're in Oklahoma City, you know, like uh, any other notes from uh, your trip that you want to share with the, the fine listeners out there? Uh, not not really. We, we <laughs> talked about my uh, my journey away from the Frost Bank Center last night. Oh, yeah. Tell oh, well. about this. Well, no, no. All right. Well, if it's on the Patreon, then the fine folks will have to subscribe to the Patreon here. It's, it's on the Patreon. So it, you go to patreon.com slash still potable if you want a little bit of a travel blog from Jay King trying to leave <laughs> uh, San Antonio. On uh, New Year's Eve. It was a it was a tough night to get an Uber. Let's just say that. Are you leaving like right at midnight? Yeah, that poorly timed. Oh, man. A tall tale I'm excited to go and listen to on the Patreon, patreon.com slash stillpotable. You'll have a full recap of the win over the San Antonio Spurs. You'll have a recap of the how the Celtics play the Thunder because Jay King is in Oklahoma City. And you'll have just more content Monday through Friday because that's what we do here on Still Potable. Uh, we are the best Celtics podcast. We got all sorts of new gear. We're going to be, we're in the 21st century now. Look at Jay King wirelessly uh, podcasting from his hotel room. That's the type of high quality you know, AV that we're bringing to the airwaves these days. But we are the best Celtics podcast. We're doing it Monday through Friday. And if you would like to listen, you go to patreon.com slash still potable and join us there. For B-Rob of MassLive.com, for Jay King, uh, we appreciate everyone who's listening here on CLNS, and we hope you subscribe to that YouTube. Uh, please follow us on TikTok, Instagram, at Still Potable. Uh, we're putting clips out there, and we're just trying to grow everything. We appreciate everyone listening, and Happy New Year.